Welcome, conversations that highlight fascinating ways people are impacting the lives of those who are vulnerable. Impact Conversations with Don Mansky. This Impact Conversation is brought to you by Made for Freedom, the social enterprise with products made by survivors of human trafficking and marginalization. Made for Freedom is fighting human trafficking with style. Today, I am excited to have Miko Taylor joining us. Miko is working with The Power Project, a youth empowerment organization that provides workshops to at-risk youth and focuses on overcoming challenges, setting career goals, and child sex trafficking prevention. Miko, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited to hear your story, partially because just a little bit, just a tidge of my story, I'm a foster mom. So, Miko, tell me, tell me how you got started in what you're doing right now. Sure. So um, I grew up as a foster kid, so I'm super excited to hear about just you and your husband's heart to serve that population, especially teenagers, because um, they have a hard time finding um, homes where they can go and even being adopted. So um, kudos to you guys for, you know, your heart on that. Um, so for me, I started out as a foster kid. Um, I actually, once I graduated from college, I went into banking <laughs> and I worked there for about eight years. Um, and that was in Chicago. So when I moved to California, um, I went and worked for a group home um, with working with kids that were in foster care and on probation. And I spent about eight years working at that group home. Um, about six years into working there, I actually had a kid who shared with me that she had been trafficked. And at that time, I didn't know much about trafficking. I thought, you know, like a lot of people, you get on a plane, you go somewhere halfway across the world, and um, you do what you do and you come back and live your life. I didn't know how prevalent it actually was here in the U.S. And so her story was just very surprising to me and very concerning to me. Um, so it really sat with me. I went home and I started to do my own research just around human trafficking. And um, when I learned just like what was going on, I came upon Backpage, um, which, as you know, was a website, you know, that's recently been shut down. But at that time, they had an escort section where there right. would be a lot of young people being sold online and things like that. And so I think just seeing that really kind of lit a fire under me. Um, so I went back um, to work. And the next time I saw that young lady, I just asked her, like, you know, what could we do as adults to help kids keep kids from being recruited into the light? Because one of the things she explained is that a lot of times they're being recruited because they're, they're not telling you what's actually going to happen to you. They make it sound like it's great. They make it sound like you're going to get money. You're going to be cute because they're getting your hair and nails done, buying you clothes, things like that. Um, even relationships, but they don't really tell you exactly what's going to happen. And so um, for me, I just was really surprised because I had been there for six years at that point and had never received any training on how to support a kid that had that kind of trauma. And I just thought that we were not serving them the best way that we could. So um, I created a training program myself um, in addition to doing that, I'm also a filmmaker. And so my way of helping with that situation was to was to write a script. So I wrote a script and uh, in the process of looking for funding for that, 
um, I just felt in my spirit that you don't have to wait for someone to give you a yes in order to start helping people. So I just took a couple of the clips that I had shot already with my own money. I created a training program, a prevention program that would kind of illustrate what it looks like for a kid to be recruited out of a group home, what it looks like when they're being groomed, and then what it looks like when they're actually in the life. And um, I submitted to speak at a conference, a human trafficking conference called the Just Conference, which is a huge conference that they do each year. And I got chosen to be a speaker in 2017. So I flew down to New Orleans. I presented the training and uh, it's been on ever since. So um, I really got a lot of great feedback from doing that training. Um, down there, and I just started um, working at an organization, an anti-sex trafficking organization. I took over their prevention arm and uh, grew that from serving 300 kids in one year to serving 26,000 by the time I left, and uh, now transitioning into the Power Project and um, looking forward to, you know, duplicating that success and just continuing with the work that I started at the other organization. So I'm really, I feel really, um, you know, grateful that I have uh, been able to learn as much as I have and have as much impact as we were able to do as a team. And um, I just, I really have a heart to serve that population um, because foster youth are, are very much so targeted by traffickers. And, uh, you know, having been a foster youth myself, I definitely have a heart for, for working with that population and making sure that they have the information that they need. That's awesome. The, um, the, that conference that you were at yeah. in New Orleans, I'm pretty sure I was there. Oh, wow, awesome. <laughs> the Just Conference, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we didn't meet there, but no. I was like, 2017. Yeah. In New yep. Orleans, I was there. <laughs> so, well, that is incredible. That's, that's so exciting to hear that, you know, that you've gotten to that point and that it's done so well. So what are some of your greatest wins to this to date? Yeah. So greatest wins um, have definitely been like I just mentioned, increasing the capacity at the human trafficking organization and really growing that program. Um, I think the most full circle moment for me actually was um, last year. I was under that organization. I was able to ink out a contract with DCFS in Illinois. And the reason why that was so full circle for me is because I actually was an Illinois ward of the state. So oh, wow. I was in the Illinois system. And so to be able to come back and, co and connect with that organization and to um, put together a contract. And what was great about the contract is that the training that I created that had to do with, you know, the foster youth being, being um, recruited was part of the contract. And so they actually mandated my training along with other trainings from that organization for the entire state. And so we became a vendor for that entire state. I was able to go out to Chicago and kick off the first um, set of trainings. And I was able to go into a group home and sit and talk with um, girls that were in that group home. And we went through the training that I had created. And I was able to talk to them about how I had been sitting in the seats that they were sitting in. And uh, to bring not just information on prevention, but also hope and light that there is something at the end of the tunnel beyond just being in foster care as well. 
um, was just really, I, I feel like was the greatest moment for me in my career so far. Wow, that is really cool. In fact, I'm right next to Illinois. You think you could come to Missouri and get that implemented? Yes. yes. <laughs> We're in St. Louis. and Oh, that's awesome. You know, we got to do the train. In fact, this weekend, I think I'm doing some training with my husband, you know, the licensing awesome. thing. And yeah. I'd love to do your training. Come on. That would be awesome. <laughs> I'd be happy to do it. And if not me, then I can connect you with, I'm still really close with my team that I led and they do training in that area. So yeah, between me and them, let's do it. For sure. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll talk to some people. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Um, so one of the things that you have done is you have put together a film, Turnt. Yes. Tell us about that. Yeah. So that was the film. Um, I wrote the script after having had that conversation with the young lady at the group home. Um, and then I started to do more research. Um, watching a lot of documentaries, um, just kind of getting a sense of what the issue was, what was happening here in Los Angeles, um, and then also globally. Um, so with my research, I started to write a script um, that would kind of train kids um, on what trafficking looks like and what are some of the tactics that recruit that people use to recruit and um, and then offer some tips on how to keep how they can keep themselves safe. Um, and so I wanted to do it in a narrative form because I felt like at the time working at the group home, my kids like to watch VH1 shows. They like the Bad Girls Club. They liked, you know, the Housewives. And, um, and, you know, this being kind of a hip hop generation, I wanted to make sure that I created something that would really speak to them where they could be drawn in by, you know, the look of it, um, by the music that we had. Um, I also um, was very adamant about having a diverse cast um, because sometimes we would see that content would be created, but it wouldn't necessarily speak to those at-risk youth. They wouldn't be able to see themselves or see their stories being told, you know, through the content that was being created. And so I wanted to make sure that it was inclusive as well. Um, so I essentially wrote that script and started um, funding some of the shooting myself just to create like an investor piece around it. And, um, and, and so from there, right now where I'm at is I've been able to get a produ producer on board and uh, they're now looking for the larger funding piece that we need to actually shoot the film um, to Hollywood standards. And so I'm super excited about that right now. Um, so we're still working on that piece of it as well. But the script is essentially about a young man who actually is an up and coming rapper and he turns to sex trafficking to build his dream career and essentially fund it. You have, you know, just this really um, interesting um, storyline. And uh, the idea was really to be able to let kids live and breathe with the characters to be able to see themselves in the characters and and hopefully through that um, be able to see how much of a detriment it could be if they were in the life and be able to make a different decision or to see that relationship for what it actually is um, in terms of kids being recruited and groomed and um, and going through the relationship piece and really seeing that this is an unhealthy relationship or situation to be in. Um, some of the stuff he's saying is exactly what my boyfriend says to me and and being able to recognize those things and, and make a different decision about how they want you know, their lives to go. So, yeah. 
That sounds very cool. What a <laughs> what a great way to kind of connect with kids in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, so do you have any idea? Is there any sort of timeline on this? I don't have a timeline just yet. Um, we do have in the works a meeting set up to, to meet with one of the potential investors. Um, that will happen before the end of this month. Um, so, you know, everything timeline wise is kind of up in the air right now with COVID-19 and not really knowing when we can really get back to, you know, being able to actually work and get on set and film and things like that. Um, but I would like to see, you know, our project be shot and complete sometime next year and be able to roll that out um, on a larger scale so kids can start to, you know, really get an understanding. Um, I feel like a lot of the trafficking movies have either been like taken or they've been more glorification of pimp culture. Um, and we're doing something a little bit different. And I think it'll still get people's attention, um, and it, but it's gonna entertain and, and feed some medicine in the process. Dang, Miko, you're not supposed to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I understand the sentiment, especially with you having foster youth and just them being a target, walking around with a target on their backs mm -hmm. um, and traffickers. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a heavy subject, but um, in the course of doing the training, you know, I really try to make it entertaining. I try to make it um, engaging so that people are not walking out of that presentation feeling really down and, you know, sad. They're, they're informed. Um, but my goal is to still make them have a good time because you're right. Like it is very heart wrenching, um, to see like what's happening. And, um, I just have such a passion for just getting in on the front end of the issue. Um, cause it's easier when my friend always says it's easier to, to, to keep someone from being broken in the first place, mm. then to have to put a broken kid back together um, after what happens to them when they get into the life. And so, um, you know, that's definitely a passion of mine for sure. Yeah, well, sure. and yeah. I've, heard, I've heard people talk about the fact that the foster system is a funnel. Yeah. Like it's just, they, it's just used as a pipeline because you've yeah. got these kids with, so few connections and yep. their self-esteem is shot and they're yeah. insecure. And, yes. you know, when I talk to people about sex trafficking, I list off all these vulnerabilities, you know, and yeah. some of the most obvious ones are not real obvious in our country. Like yeah. extreme poverty, devaluation of the girl child. Like these are things that are so yes. evident in other countries, but yes, right. as soon as you say, insecurity yeah like how many teenage girls are insecure uh a hundred percent yes exactly <laughs> and exactly. then you you heap on top of that the just mm. the things that you've got to deal with when yeah. you don't have that connection with a family that others do right so, exactly yeah. I mean, and, you know, I do make that statement as a very bold statement, but it's true that sometimes uh, being in the system can groom you for trafficking is what I say to the adults when I'm presenting. And, um, you know, I get looks and like, what does that mean? Why you think that? And uh, at the end of the day, exactly what you said, you see kids who get moved around from place to place. Okay. Traffickers take them on 
on tours. So they're being moved around from place to place already. Um, they're always around new people and never able to really establish a, a healthy and deep connection with anyone, staff or kids or otherwise. Because at the end of the day, you can have a roommate in the group home, they would have a roommate that they've known for a couple months and then next day that roommate could be gone and they might never see them again. And this is someone that they considered a sister or a friend or whatever the case may be. So how do you trust any kind of connection when you're having your relationships being snatched from you and changed on a consistent, constant basis? Well, guess what? When they're being having to having to be sold to multiple people at different times, why does that feel weird to them? When they're always around new people, they're never able to establish a you know a, a deeper connection with anyone. Um, and so, and then in addition to that, everyone around them is getting paid to be there, myself included. I'm a staff member. I'm getting paid to be there. If you're a foster parent, you're probably getting money for to take care of them. So they become a, aware and used to the idea that their presence is for someone else's financial gain. And so why does that feel weird when, when a trafficker is like, oh, you have to pay me back for this, or you have to go work to make sure to earn your keep or whatever the case may be. Like all of that plays on their psyche and and it normalizes the life for them when they're actually in it. So, you know, prior to leaving the organization, I was training um, staff, training teachers, training adults, um, any parents, anyone that was working with kids. Um, and then we would go in and train the kids um, themselves. And even kids who are from you know, um, homes where the parents are there, you know, maybe middle class. And because we would have a lot of, oh, that couldn't happen to my kid. They, they would be fine because I'm here. Well, there's sextortion. If you gave your phone, your kid a phone or a tablet or a computer, access to internet, potential predators have access to them every day. And so don't think that they're exempt because you could be sitting in the other room and they're being forced to send inappropriate pictures or inappropriate videos that are being posted on pornography websites. That's sex trafficking as well. And it happens all the time. So, you know, just to be able to kind of burst people's bubbles a little bit. And, and, and I think that's important because it's important to know that you can't look at this issue and be like, that's a them problem. It's an us problem. And if you can identify with a piece of it that can impact your kid, then maybe it'll be important enough for you to understand it from a full perspective and want to have some change around it, no matter whose kid is being victimized and what way they're being victimized. I think that, that raising that kind of awareness is super important. Miko, that is I'm I'm looking forward to seeing this. <laughs> Thank you. When it when it finally comes out, I definitely am I'm looking forward to it. If you would like more information about upcoming impact conversations as amazing as this and hopefully <laughs> as interesting. Um, or if you have suggestions for a future guest, you can subscribe, follow, and nominate by clicking the link below. Thank you for joining us and keep looking for ways that you can positively impact our world. Don't forget to subscribe and join us next week for another Impact Conversation.